0: listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, August the 4th, in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we usually deal with uh, emails, but I want to talk a little bit about what we spoke with yesterday with Wes Reimnitz. He uh, brought in an article that we had received from President Harrison entitled, what is a Lutheran? And the first few paragraphs had interesting information that I believe a lot of people are unaware of. It was about Thrivent. Thrivent was a fraternal benefits society that sells insurance. And it was begun by two Lutheran organizations. Well, guess what? In June, Thrivent put out an advertisement with a rainbow heart to celebrate Pride Month. That's the homosexual group. Now, many folks who own Thrivent products have asked the Synod for alternatives for life insurance and investments. And President Harrison said, I especially feel for the many faithful LCMS people who serve or have served as thriving agents whose consciences are now burdened. In other words, there are a lot of people who were involved with Thrivent. Thrivent long ago shed the word for Lutherans from its name, and more recently dropped for Christians. I think they should just add on Thrivent for Atheists. And anyway, in 2014, it stopped allowing private choice donations to be directed to pro-life organizations. Why? Well, they said that that was a political decision, and they wanted to have a neutral position on the matter of abortion. Even though this year they support Celebrate Pride Month as though that's not a political decision. In other words, we can understand that many of the thriving council are from the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and they have advocated gay issues for decades. Well, I pray for the many Christians in the ELCA And then President Harrison quotes the ancient dictum of the early church. The ears of the hearers are more holy than the ears of the priests. Now that's really interesting. It certainly was true in the day of Jesus where his followers, really began to believe in him whereas the priests the sadducees and many of the pharisees remained unbelievers so we ought not be surprised that that's occurring also in our day from the international lutheran council we received this note a protest and call for free religious speech in finland finland wow render to caesar the things that are caesar's and to god the things that are god's that's matthew 22 verse 21 in this short sentence Christ Jesus teaches his followers to honor and obey two different authorities, each with its own proper sphere. Give to Caesar, that's the government, what is rightfully its honor and obedience regarding external matters such as taxes laws that protect the body and punish evil, earthly justice. And second, give to God what is rightfully his, honor and obedience regarding internal matters, such as baptism into Christ, a clean conscience through forgiveness, speech that praises God and witnesses to others, love that shows mercy, and hope that looks to God. But unfortunately, we have seen government trespassing into God's sphere of eternals. Acts 5.29, we must obey God. Rather than men, is the Christian point of view. Well, government trespass has again occurred. In two thousand and four, in Finland, the Reverend Doctor Johanna Pochola, Bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Mission Dioceses of Finland and Dr. Pavi Razanin, Finnish member of parliament, expressed their deeply held historically Christian beliefs on male-female marriage and human sexuality, emphasizing God's good creation and the inherent dignity of all men. In 2021, the prosecutor general of Finland regarded this as hate speech. Hate speech toward those with a homosexual orientation. And he brought charges. In 2022, the Helsinki District Court issued a unanimous Clear, and total acquittal, adding the following: It is not for the court to interpret biblical concepts. Well, unfazed, the prosecutors appealed the acquittal, and that was allowed under Finnish law. And they won a second trial to convict these two men of hate speech this trial will be held august 22 to 24 this month 2023 at the helsinki court of appeals this represents nothing less than a years long relentless attack against free speech religious expression Personal moral integrity and limited government's proper sphere of jurisdiction, which is also articulated in the Constitution of Finland, the European Convention on Human Rights, and in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. We reaffirm the comprehensive June 25th, 2021, International Lutheran Council Tatem. And the General Secretary of that is the Reverend Dr. Timothy C.J. Quill. We worked with him closely in setting up missionary areas in Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. Wonderful Christian. They wrote, a protest and call for free religious speech in Finland an international Lutheran condemnation of the unjust criminal prosecution of these two men and a call for all people of goodwill to support the freedom of religious expression in Finland That was signed by 48 ecclesial leaders and 45 church bodies and associations, but also represents the moral commitments of hundreds of millions worldwide. We call on all people of goodwill, it said, to condemn this unconscionable prosecution, to take a stand for freedom of speech and freedom of religion for all, and to pray for these two men and their acquittal. For when we compromise on freedom for just one or two, we ultimately place freedom at risk. For all. So, this is what's happening in Finland. And yet, we can see its footprints in the United States. Even today, there are those who are being attacked for saying that a marriage should be done only between a male and a female. They're being attacked in the same way that those two men in Finland are being attacked for saying things that are inappropriate. It's so sad that the Supreme Court has made a ruling that gay marriage is legal because it certainly is not legal in the eyes of God. I've been talking for some time about the necessity of doing more discipline in the church. Discipline to whom? Political leaders? No, because many of them are not members of this denomination, but discipline towards members of the church in this denomination that no longer agree with the Bible. And there are many, many differences that can be shown. We all know how many people actually believe in the theory of evolution rather than six-day, 24-hour creation. How can they do that in light of what the Bible says so clearly? They do it because it's the work of the devil. The devil has motivated them to look at a view of science that really is not science because you can't take the theory of evolution and duplicate it even in a laboratory. No, it still isn't possible to take a cat and make it into a dog, or take a frog and make it into a giraffe. But but that's what evolution teaches. And Sunday school, Literature in some churches teach evolution rather than creation. In fact, you can go throughout the whole Old Testament and find teachings that are contrary. For instance, the crossing of the Red Sea is pretty obvious. The waters separated. Israel walked through to the other side. The Egyptians went after them and they got drowned by the waters that were in two walls falling down upon them. But what do some people say? No, Israel got aside, went aside on boats And the Egyptians chasing them in their chariots sank in the mud because the river wasn't that deep. That's actually was a teaching that I was told when I was at the seminary. And then, of course, the whole idea that there is a real devil. We were also told by a professor or two that the idea of a devil is speculation. It wasn't really true. Now, how that fits with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is beyond me, or the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness if there is no devil. And then what's really funny, if it wasn't so sad, are the many miracles of Jesus that are reinterpreted. For example, the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus took a little bit of bread and fish from a youngster and fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. We were told that what really happened was Jesus was preaching and the people had gone out to hear him, but they had also taken along with them their lunches and had them under their robes. And when they saw the little boy give his lunch to Jesus, They felt embarrassed and began to share their lunch with everybody else. And that's how 5,000 people were fed. Uh, Another one, remember there was a man who really was controlled by the devil. He had demon possession. Jesus came and realized that the demons within him needed to be taken out and he allowed them to go into the river where they drowned now that's odd because they first went into pigs before they went into the river. But what were we told at the seminary? The man was not demon possession, no, he was an epileptic. And when he came out of his epileptus, well, that scared the pigs and they ran over the hill and drowned. You know how hard it is for a pig to drown? They just bob to the surface. But that's what we were told. We even had one professor who did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead physically. He only rose spiritually. In other words, his body was still in the grave. In fact, there are some professors who would say that if it could be proven that the bones of Jesus were found in the grave, they would no longer be a Christian. This is so ridiculous, because the devil can do all kinds of mysteries and miracles himself. And that would just be a trick of the devil to convince you that Jesus had not risen from the dead, but he had risen from the dead. And there are many other miracles that Jesus did that even the apostles did after Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And those two are reinterpreted to show that they really were not miracles, but there was a natural explanation behind each one of them. This is how the devil is getting into the minds of unbelievers. Now, you may think that you are not an unbeliever if you believe some of those things. But that is why it is necessary for the church to practice church discipline. In fact, when we remember Luther's small catechism, they're the commandments, the creed, the Lord's prayer, baptism, holy communion. And then there's a sixth part. It's excommunication. It's the form of discipline that Jesus gave to the disciples on the night of his resurrection. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Well, how can a human being retain a sin if Jesus gives forgiveness? Well, the fact of the matter is, the retention of sins is only for sins that have no repentance. It doesn't matter what the sin is, but if a person refuses to repent of it, they need to be brought into discipline. Whether it's a vocation that they are practicing that is sinful, or whether they're doing something according to their own merit, thinking that it's okay, when God clearly from the Ten Commandments says, it's not okay, that person needs to be brought into discipline. When we excommunicate someone, that act is not what sends them to hell. Rather, that act shows that they have already sent themselves to hell by an unrepentant sin. And so even though Sometimes it took two years to move someone to excommunication because you're speaking with them. You're conversing with them. You're giving them Bible studies until they get to the point where they say to you, I really don't care what you say about the Bible. I don't believe that and therefore I'm going to live the life I want to live. Well, they'll also have a death that they want to die, a death apart from Jesus. So excommunication is there to wake up a person as to his condition before God. And the evidence of that condition is because of the unrepentance of a particular sin. Now, if a person says, well, I repent of that sin, and he is forgiven, and then he goes ahead and does the sin again, what do you do? Jesus talked about that. Peter says, do we have to forgive someone Seven times? Jesus says, no, we forgive them 70 times seven. Now that's 490 times. But even then, it's not over. That's why the devil has a control over people. They get addicted to a certain sin. And at times are truly repentant and are afraid of God's judgment. They receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins, but then they fall back into that sin. But then if they are repentant, they again are forgiven. That's why God is referred to as merciful and gracious. He's merciful in that he does not give us what we deserve, eternal damnation. And he is gracious in giving us what we do not deserve, the gift of the forgiveness of sins. That's the kind of God we have, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, and a God that we believe and confess in the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. Read those over, and you'll have a wonderful summary of the God in which we believe. That's law and gospel.